Hi friends, I'm Dr. Cindy Leibert. And I'm Brooke Jack. We are your hosts of the Joy Prescription Podcast. In this show, we interview pioneering individuals who are integrating faith into their work and their spheres of influence in their respective fields of healthcare, coaching, psychology, and ministry. We dialogue at the intersection of lifestyle medicine, brain health, and Christianity. In each episode, our guests will share their hard-won wisdom and strategies for intentional living, spiritual growth, and health stewardship. Together, we explore God's joy prescription, how He redeems our life stories and brings us into wholeness, mind, body, and spirit. We are so glad you're here to be a part of this conversation. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome, everyone. This is a super exciting uh, end of the year wrap up Uh, in December of 2023. You're listening to the Joy Prescription Podcast. I'm Dr. Cynthia Liburd. My patients uh, call me Dr. Cindy, and I'm a functional medicine physician, and I'm here with Brooke Jack, who is a pastor. And this year, we've gotten the privilege to interview some amazing women in the fields of either ministry and or healthcare. And it's just been a a really uh, fantastic opportunity. And we thought we would take this uh, time here in December to go ahead and review all the wisdom that has come into our life from these wonderful women and just highlight our interviews with them. So uh, that's that's our agenda for today. And I'll go ahead and get started. Um, hi, Brooke. Hi, Cindy. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing great today. Uh, we just had Thanksgiving. So I think this is a good time to focus on how we're grateful mm-hmm. for the wisdom that has come through. And it. I wanted to open up with Proverbs Two uh, verse six, it's for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And I'm grateful for the women, uh, godly women that we've had the privilege to interview this year has have uh, highlighted the wisdom that God has been sharing with all of us through our life stories and, and redeeming all the challenges that we've had and continues to do so. It has truly been an awesome experience getting to connect with all these beautiful women and their stories and just see the faithfulness of God. So I can't wait to revisit these conversations with you. So in February, we had the opportunity to interview Kit Roberts, a health coach. She has an amazing life story, has overcome addiction and now um, had a several decade career in the corporate world and has taken a leap of faith and founded her own coaching and consulting business called A Renovated Life, LLC. And she helps busy professionals build a life that's happy, healthy, and whole. I love her tagline. And it was just really neat to uh, sit down with her and hear her personal story of how she overcame addiction 
and glean some wisdom. And of course, it pointed us back to God and that he is the source of all healing and wholeness. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and hear the clip. I've been praying for several years, you know, God, what is my purpose? What do you want me to do? And so I feel like he finally was like, hey, here it is, kid. I, I'm kind of putting it out there in front of you. And then for me to just ignore that, for me, I felt like that would have been wrong. Mm -hmm. um, so the fear was going to my husband and saying, I'm going to quit my job. <laughs> <laughs> um, because we relied on my, you know, income as well. I didn't just one day go, I'm quitting. I was, I was purposeful. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the obstacles that come are uh, just, there's so much to learn and to know about running a business. Um, but I have to tell you, because I have felt so called, um, the fear of failing has rarely enters my mind. Now, maybe I'm crazy. That is the, you know, I just feel, I, I don't fear failure, mm -hmm. which is not common for me. I, I often didn't do things in my life for fear of failing. And I would rather not have done it than to fail at it. Mm -hmm. But I just, I don't fear failure and and what success looks like becomes defined differently as well. That's what was your takeaway from, from Kit's interview, Brooke? Well, I was uh, really sharpened by her perspective as she was responding to um, the call of God on her life and stepping out in obedience and into the unknown. She said, that the fear of not doing it was greater than the fear of doing it. And that really spoke to me because so often fear paralyzes us and holds us back from actually doing the thing that God's calling us to do. And I don't think we think as much about the fear of not doing it or not taking the opportunity or not saying yes to the invitation and then having perhaps regret later. And so I just, when she brought that up, it just really struck me and I thought, yeah. And, and what do we have to fear truly if God is the one <laughs> leading us, right? Um, it, it triggered a, a thought later. It's interesting how <laughs> these connections, you know, happen. Like we had this conversation in February, but I think maybe in September, I encountered a quote, um, Elizabeth Elliot, who just has so many eloquent, <laughs> beautiful, deep quotes about the Christian journey. I've got several of her books on my wish list on Amazon. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> one of the quotes that I encountered that again, sharpened me and reminded me of this conversation was fear arises when we imagine everything depends on us. And mm -hmm. so often when we are stepping into new territory or taking risks and leaps of faith, so to speak. In our insecurity, we try to, we want to control everything. And we just think like, okay, God said to do this. And now I've got to go do this. And it all depends on me how it's going to work out. Instead of God's calling me to do this, I'm going to take his hand and we're going to go together on this journey 
we somehow internalize all this pressure that we've got to figure everything else. Once we say yes, we've got to just figure it all out. And instead of trusting that he's going to help us <laughs> along the way for my own personal leadership and the leadership roles that I'm in, I recognize that oftentimes I start getting into this place of believing that it all depends on me to get it figured out. And, and I've got to, I've got to come to the rescue in this, or I've got to have the answer here, <laughs> or if I don't do this, everything's going to fall apart, <laughs> which is so prideful. <laughs> okay. So I'll put a confession out there for the world to hear that that is so prideful, um, to think that it all depends on me. Um, but that's truly what fear, fear distorts our thinking. And, um, so I recognized that that was an area that I needed to be sharpened in. I needed to shed some of that fear and remember that God is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Mm -hmm. And even in my own journey, um, I recognize that I've dealt with approval addiction over the years. That's a different form of, of addiction, but, you know, seeking the, the approval and to do bold things, to be obedient to God, to step out of the box, you're going to be doing things that people aren't going to necessarily give their approval, or they're going to think you're a little crazy uh -huh. and, off your <laughs> and you just got to be okay with that and mm -hmm. say, yes. I love it. Well, thank you for the encouragement and yeah. I sadly can relate to <laughs> the idea that it all depends on me, that that sort of unfortunately was part of how I was raised as like being a problem solver and just, you know, always proactively trying to address problems before they even right. began. And, you know, that's a good thing to some degree, except for when you don't include God in the picture that leads to just a lot of pressure and striving and, mm -hmm. and it can wear you out. And so I remember early on in my walk with the Lord after coming to faith at age 33, uh, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 was so huge for me. It just blew me away. <laughs> this opposite of the way that I had always lived my life of, you know, depending on myself and my intellect and problem solving and, and just being proactive and and frankly, you know, being anxious and worrying about things to try to make sure they go well. Right. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, but instead, we have this beautiful healing balm for our souls, which is that we can trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. That just was really healing for me. I wanted to yes. share and uh, yes, so much wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> I encourage everyone to go back and listen to that. Our first episode in season two of this year, 2023, back in February, Kit Roberts, health coach interview at the, at the end of our podcast with her, she just said this beautiful prayer over our listeners. So I encourage you to go back and, and listen to that. Moving on to episode two of 2023, we interviewed Stephanie Jenkins. Uh, she is a amazing dynamo powerhouse of a woman. Um, she 
we entitled the her episode an unexpected catalyst empowering women through self-defense stephanie has an amazing testimony she healed from hyperthyroidism without medical intervention yeah, uh just you know she awesome. that inner voice um of god speaking to her and it just truly astounding story of healing so if you need some encouragement around healing um her testimony is amazing i uh, highlighted james 1 uh, verse 5 the, her her testimony uh points to this verse uh if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Uh, let's let's hear a clip from Stephanie and then we'll get your takeaways, Brooke. Having that morning routine is absolutely critical, your power hour. So in my power hour, <laughs> I first read my Bible. First, I get my coffee. Um, <laughs> I've transitioned to mush mushroom coffee. So at least Ooh. I'm getting some nourishment, yeah. um, get my coffee. And then I get in my you know special space and I read my Bible and then prayer and prayer journal. And in my journal, I, I call it my reveal journal. And I specifically ask amongst other things, but I specifically ask God to reveal to me, you know, I mean, I may have something specific I need and I get really, really detailed. I mean, down to the minuscule things of life, um, mm -hmm. but reveal to me the direction he wants me to go, the path. That's how I started out very broad, you know, where mm -hmm. do you want my ministry to go? What do you want me to do? Things like that. Now I ask to reveal, you know, I need nightstands where and yeah. <laughs> let me tell you, he makes divine appointments with every request. It yes. is so incredible. Yes. But um just really truly giving it to God. Good stuff. What what's your takeaway, Brooke? So her advice to take God as a partner, it kind of echoes what we were talking about with Kit as well, that we're not in this journey alone and um, we need to, we need to let go of our controlling tendencies and give it to God. Just that, that posture of surrender and not just a one time, but the continual act of surrender. I feel like that's emphasized so much in the scriptures, um, even when it tells us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It, the, the actual Greek there talks about being continually filled. There's a ongoing tense that's used and that's used in multiple passages. It's just like James one that you read, you know, it's not just one time, like you get one, <laughs> one pass <laughs> to ask for wisdom and then that's it. No, it's an, inv it's an invitation to come and come and come again and come again without shame. And so, um, I love that, that it's a, that continual act of surrender in our lives, um, asking for his wisdom, his guidance in every situation and just handing it over and trusting that he knows best. <laughs> he is a, a loving father. We're so, mm -hmm. so fortunate. 
Well, um, I want to highlight the next month in April, we interviewed Christy Hurd. She's a certified parent coach and just an all around amazing human being. Uh, I loved our interview with Christy. Um, let's, let's hear a clip. Uh, let's revisit her, um, her wisdom around parenting specifically for working mothers. Cause you know, you and I both know <laughs> the challenges that come with that, um, especially with being in, in demanding careers like healthcare and or ministry, there's a lot of challenges. So let's, let's hear some of, uh, revisit her advice. Research shows that if you, um, give your child 15 minutes of undistracted, totally all about them, you're in their world every day, um, that really is sufficient. Um, so that, so that means that, that means that, you know, you put your phone down, you, um, you, the laundry can wait, um, you know, anything that, that is distracting you, all of that can wait and you get into their world and you validate whatever it is that they're saying, you're listening, you're loving, um, it, that, that is, that's huge for a child. Um, so I have seen, and I have to say this, I have seen um, parents who, who maybe don't work full time, but are not involved with their children when they're home mm-hmm. and have them in front of a TV, give them a phone, um, are doing laundry, you know, running, running to the grocery store, you know, all kinds of multitasking and the child does not feel connected to the parent. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say you have to look at what are, what's most important to you and how you're communicating that to your child. One of the things that she mentioned personally that she had learned from reflecting on her years in parenting her children to now being a parent coach and, and learning things through that training as she reflected back on maybe things that she would have done differently if she could go back to her parenting season was to affirm her children more often. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was very powerful and something to really take to heart because it is something that our kids need. They need affirmation. They need to hear uh, what they're doing well and just that they're valued for just being them and not just what they are accomplishing and what they're, you know, how they're performing. It is so easy to just walk into the room (laughs) and see what's not being done, (laughs) you know, and to want to call that out so fast. It's again, not to say that we don't keep our kids accountable. We are responsible for helping them grow into mature, capable adults, right. That can function in society and can contribute and can lead and love well and all of those things. But part of that healthy development is getting affirmation from, from parents. And so it's being more intentional. So that was a good reminder for me because sometimes it can stay trapped in my head. The things that I'm noticing, like, Oh, there's, you know, that was such a kind, respectful response. I got that time. And I might think that, 
but not actually say it out loud and, and affirm that was such good wisdom to affirm more often where we can, when we can seize the opportunity to, to give those little pats on the back. Mm-hmm. And remembering that our, our children, even the adolescents into the late teens and early twenties, their brains are not fully developed. So right. having compassion and sharing grace with them is so important. And I have a, a fun story about planting seeds with children. I'm My children are a little bit older now. My youngest is 12, going to be 13. So in February, I will have officially three teenagers <laughs> for one year. And, um, you know, sometimes it can, it can just feel, you can feel weary that you, you know, do, do things for your children and, and it doesn't seem like it's taking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I got some affirmation myself <laughs> when my, my youngest daughter said, thank you, mom. I want to thank you for feeding us healthy food. Oh, <laughs> and that's you awesome. have to know the little one, the, her, her story. She just um, has been our most challenging one in terms of food and, and, um, encouraging her to eat the fruits and vegetables instead of just the simple carbs. And, um, and so for her to say that for her to just recognize and what I'm doing and, and take time to say that it just, it made it all worth it. (laughs) So now officially all three of them have thanked me (laughs) for the energy and effort that I put in, into trying to help them learn to take good care of their bodies and, and uh, nourish their physical bodies, which of course has a connection to their brain health, the microbiome. And, and we've, we've talked about this, you know, day in and day out. And so they're, they're getting it. So mm-hmm. the whole point in this is to encourage you, if you have young children and you feel weary that um maybe you're doing things and it's not making a difference uh, hang in there it it'll grow fruit in good in due time and um i want to highlight another proverbs here since we're talking about wisdom uh proverbs 9 chapter 9 verse 10 the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy one is understanding And so uh, that just reminds me that the most important thing we can do for our kids is just to point them to Jesus and and give them the foundation they need for a healthy thought life and healthy foundation in life is to pointing them to to God. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And we, we help model that and model the attitudes, you know, like you were saying, you received some, some gratitude expression. Well, I'm sure that was partly a result of even your expressions of gratitude that have been modeled over the years in front of your, your daughters. And Christy brought it up during the, during our interview about it's, it's more about the quality of time that mm-hmm. we're together with our children than the quantity. Yes, quantity is is great. And if there's the opportunity for for increased time, go for it, right? But for parents who are working, working moms that can't be in the home eight hours a day, that when you are there, 
to be present, to be intentional, to speak life, speak the discipline that's needed as well, all those things, but make it about quality. What's the quality of your time together? Are you actually really present or are you kind of like you're there physically, but you're still caught up in your head thinking about all the things that still need attention, the things that you're not doing, the things that, you know, that are still weighing on you in different areas or are you being attentive and kids, they know the difference. They are so perceptive. Uh They really do know the difference. I was just talking to a friend about this recently. um, And this kind of springboards into a little bit of our conversation that we have with Dr. Sandra about rest, but you know, when you're um, working and you're doing on the phone and the computer and you're, you're just doing stuff all day long, even in the kitchen, you know, you've got the, all the sensory things. Sometimes that can become overwhelming. And so you kind of like shut down to a degree where it's like, you're hearing things happening around you, but you're not really processing it. <laughs> and then the, right. the, you know, you know your kids are poking you, <laughs> mom, did you hear me? Or this is the one that has happened to me so many times. I'll say, what are you doing? Like, I'll see him doing something. What are you doing? Well, mom, you said we could win. When did I say that? And then I'll be like, well, just 10 minutes ago, we, we were saying this and, and you nodded or you were like, yeah, like I didn't even, I wasn't even aware of what they were asking of me because I was so caught up in my own head and thoughts that what they were asking me wasn't actually processing. And so my default was just like the nod or the sure without even really recognizing what I was permitting them to do. And they would be like, but you said we could do that. And so being more present and really attentive when we have those one-on-one times with our kids is, is really important. And important to give yourself grace yes. <laughs> for doing what you needed to do to survive and process <laughs> in the moment. <laughs> that is part of my my practice is to give myself grace because it's hard being a mom and working and juggling mm-hmm. all the things in life. And so we do have to give ourselves uh you know, a heaping <laughs> serving of grace as well. And, and of course, strive to do better and um, take steps. And just, oops, guys, I'm sorry. I was not paying attention. <laughs> Forgive me. Teach your kids to give, give you grace as well by admitting your, when you're wrong, when you mess up, when, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. modeling that for them that we mess up sometimes. Forgive us offer us grace and we'll do the same in this relationship, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Well, and that's a good segue into our May interview with pastor and Bible teacher, Angie Bowman. She um, shared with us the five R approach to taming your emotional triggers. So (laughs) good, good connection there. We can all use that, especially this time of year, busy uh, holiday season where there's just extra pressures on um, families in particular, uh, mothers, as we do all the things to prepare for the holiday season and and juggle our our existing uh, demands as well. And so uh, let's hear a clip of Angie talking, uh, teaching us about um, the five R's. 
So step three is remember. And the question I ask is where have I experienced God's faithfulness in previous circumstances? Psalm 145, 13 says the Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. Mm -hmm. And I always say, you know, I mean, I've heard this a lot of different times. The, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior, right? And so where do we know God has shown up before, even in places or especially in places okay. that we didn't think he was there at the time, right? I can remember this about the faithfulness of God in my life. I can remember this about the faithfulness of God in her life. I can remember this about the faithfulness of God in the Bible stories that I cherish, right? Mm -hmm. God is faithful and his character does not change. And if he promises that he's trustworthy, he is trustworthy. So where do we remember that and choose that rather than even just what we feel at the moment? Angie's such a, such a brilliant Bible teacher and the five R's that she shared with us were recognize, reveal, remember, receive, and repeat. So you have to listen to the whole episode to find out what all that means and how to apply it. But one of the five R's um, for talking to your triggers is remember. And that's one that really stood out to me. As humans, <laughs> we can be so forgetful. You know, um, I think you've said it to me before, use the phrase, um, like spiritual amnesia where we can forget, you know, we we've done these, we've had these seasons of life where we've had to step out and be really bold and trust God in this, uh, greater measure than maybe we ever have before. And it's like, we we're so encouraged in that moment as we see things play out and God keep his promises and prove faithful and all of that. And then time passes and then another challenge is set before us. And instead of immediately sometimes recalling, oh yeah, last time I was at this juncture or at this crossroads, God came through. And so I'm just going to move forward. Sometimes we, again, we freeze in fear and we we wonder and we question and all of those things, but, um, yeah, just when we can remember how God has been faithful to us before it encourages and strengthens us in whatever the present season and circumstance is. And, you know, so keeping, and I'm not very great at this. I'm not consistent anyhow about keeping like a journal, but having some way of keeping record of how God has seen you through so that when you're in a new hard place, the present fears, concerns, whatever, aren't what consumes you, but his faithfulness. And I was thinking about Psalm 77 is, is really good at portraying that concept of remembering. Um, so this is a Psalm of Asaph and it says, I cry out to God. Yes, I shout. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long, I prayed with hands lifted toward heaven, but my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. You don't let me sleep. I am too distressed to even pray. I think of the good old days long since ended when my nights were filled with joyful songs. I search my soul and ponder the difference now. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? 
Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? And I said, this is my fate. The most high has turned his hand against me. But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. Oh God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. And I love that because there's such a stark contrast. And that wasn't all of it. That was just through verse 15. But it starts out, he's going down the spiral. Uh I mean, all the brain ants are just (laughs) flaring up, right? All the things, you know, has the Lord slammed his door of compassion on me? Like, has he forgotten me? Just all of our human nature, flesh, weakness coming out in in the the moment of crisis. Right. But then he says, but then I recall, and there's such power when we recall what God has done, how he's been faithful, how he's come through. And it was like, you see the complete switch. Then the perspective changes. Now it's, is there anybody as mighty as you? Is there anyone even close to as awesome as you? You're the one who does the, the mighty works. You redeem people. You do this, you do that. And so it, it brings that perspective shift. So that's why it's so important that we do remember what God has done and how faithful he is because he's the same yesterday yes, day, and forever. Nope. <laughs> can just open up our Bibles. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually wanted to interject here. Um, you know, I, I would love to say I, I take time and write down all the things as well, but uh, I don't. <laughs> Sometimes, occasionally, yeah. I like to jot things down that God has done so I can remember it. But one practice that I do have, it's kind of a, a life hack that... Um, you can do too is uh, during the month of November, when I'm preparing for Thanksgiving, I look back at my Google calendar (laughs) and, you know, look at all the things that that God has taken me through in that year, just all the appointments and family gatherings and, you know, just you name it. And just kind of reliving those in a way and being grateful for each person, each, you know, provision that's represented. Um, So that, that is a way to do it is just looking back at your calendar entry. And then, you know, I kind of do the same, continue that same process into December when I write my annual Christmas card and just kind of looking at all the milestones that happen throughout the the year, you know, the graduations and anniversaries and birthdays and family get togethers and, you know, new jobs and transitions and, and just all, all of those things, any, you know, health challenges, all of it, not just good things, but, um, you know, just trying to take it all, all in and, and seeing God's faithfulness through, throughout it all. Oh, that's so good. I like that hat. Cause I do really, truly keep 
a lot of things in my phone, <laughs> reminders and tasks and things like that. It's, it's pretty much all there. <laughs> Taking the time to just sit down and like, like we're doing today, you know, recapping the year, you know, thanking God for all these amazing women and revisiting the wisdom that they shared. That's, that's part of the process. So Moving on to uh, June, we had the opportunity to interview Andrea Stunz, and she's a, a freelance writer and a mentor and just a, an amazing, lovely, lovely woman who had a very difficult, um, you know, life circumstance and physical challenges, health challenges, and uh, she made a remarkable healing um turn around and most importantly she's now you know just showing up um being god's hands and feet and and walking with other women through the process of of whatever they might be going through the hard places and we'll share a clip basically of her um talking about how god redeems us and our life story and then uses what we go through to allow us to help others I was working so hard. <laughs> I was working so hard, mm. you know, and I was white knuckling mm. my hurts and my pains and my traumas. And I'm like, what if I just give myself grace to let go and breathe mm -hmm. and receive the grace that God wants to give me? Mm -hmm. You know, because one of the things that I learned in that journey was, you know, I'm I'm constantly trying to I asked my sisters one time, I have three sisters. So there's four girls in my family, no brothers. Oh, oh, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's great that I have amazing, amazing sisters. Um, but they, I told them, I said, did y'all realize that I'm a people pleaser? And they were like, no, duh. <laughs> I'm like, why didn't you clue me in? Like, why didn't you tell me? So, but in the same vein, I thought I am working so hard to please God when God is just saying, you please me. Yeah, so one of the things that was really beautiful about Andrea and just her ministry is her commitment to walk with other women through the hard places. And, you know, she said that even though she's experienced a lot of pain in her life and truly she has uh, endured and overcome a lot with the help of God, um, it's provided her perspective and a deeper compassion for the pain of others. And, you know, the, the word compassion at its you know root is to suffer with. Um, and so, you know, she is demonstrating great compassion in walking with people through and to in a place of overcoming, right? Cause that's always the goal is to help people compassionately find freedom, find the healing, find the hope, not to stay stuck in it, but to move forward. And uh, just like um, the paralytic whose friends brought him to Jesus, sometimes we need those other people, relationships or connections to help us find the way forward, help us find the arms of the healer. So I love that um, she has discerned that as being her ministry. And um, when she spoke to about 
overcoming perfection and performance, that that was something that kind of plagued her through um, just some of how she was raised and, and the church that she was in growing up, just some of the teachings and, and mindset around things, which is, again, I think very common um, that we can get kind of stuck in some of that, um, trying to perform for mm -hmm. love, perform for our salvation when in fact, it's a gift, a grace gift that's been given to us. And we often hear the definition of grace, you know, the, the unmerited favor, but grace is also an enablement. It's an empowerment for us to do, to be able to do the will of God, to be able to do what pleases him. And I was reminded of um, the scripture in Titus too, which uh, I'm going to read it from the passion translation, but it really gives these two distinct definitions of grace or perspectives where it says God's marvelous grace has manifested in person, bringing salvation for everyone. So there's the, the gift of salvation, unmerited favor it's for all this same grace teaches us how to live each day as we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles. And it equips us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. And I love that idea that grace is our teacher. And Andrea talked a lot about that being kind to ourselves, showing ourselves grace in that, um, we are being taught along the way in our journey, how to please God, how to honor God, how to say no to our fleshly desires that um, want to ambush us or sabotage us and all that, <laughs> and how to live um, self-controlled and live by the spirit of God. And we, we cannot do that in our own strength we absolutely need the enablement of the spirit of God. And that comes through his grace. And so that was really, um, I think an exclamation point on our conversation there about embracing grace. And I love too, that she mentioned even getting curious about your pain and your triggers. Mm -hmm. Um, that is a whole different perspective shift oftentimes. And, and you have, you teach this beautifully about even our bodies when they are having these symptoms that we don't like, we're experiencing pain in our body, other flare ups in our skin, whatever it may be that is like an agitator <laughs> to us, <laughs> that we don't look at those as negatives or as enemies, but rather signals that are saying something's out of balance, something needs attention. So looking at the, it more positively that, okay, something's wrong. So let's get curious about what needs attention. What, what is the cause here and, and what can we do to, to fix it? And so um, when we experience emotional triggers, when we experience, start experiencing fear or withdrawal or anger or bitterness or those type of things, why, why am I feeling this way? What is triggering this? Um, and what do I need to do to heal that? So I love um, embracing curiosity instead of just trying to ignore or pretend that that's not happening, but instead embrace it with, with curiosity. Mm -hmm. 
So good. I love it. Curiosity is the C and the joy prescription. (laughs) I was just reflecting on that this morning on how important curiosity is to our health. Oh, yes. Good reminder. (laughs) So moving on to July of 2023, we got to interview Becky Kopitsky. She is an amazing, multi-passionate, multi-published author and founder of The Inspired Business. We brought her on to just share with our community, particularly women in the fields of ministry and or healthcare, um, ways that we can connect together and lift each other up. And and she spoke about leveraging affiliate marketing, which is just a fun opportunity to um, just combine efforts and reach more people by connecting with our colleagues. So let's hear a clip from Becky. To me, anytime we create a product or create content, the focus of it ought to always be transforming someone's life, making their Mm -hmm. life better, moving them from a pain state to a resolution state. And if you can offer that to your audience with something you didn't have to create yourself, because I created it and all you had to do was simply tell people about it, we're both rewarded financially and now your audience is blessed with that transformation. So that's why I love affiliate marketing or partner marketing. So if we're talking about the opportunities for it, you can either choose, if you have a product or a service, you can choose to bring people on board to help share for you. They become your partners or your affiliates, or you can seek out other content creators or women in ministry who have a product or a service that you think your audience would love and simply share that with your audience. So there are two ways to do affiliate marketing, but I love it because it builds relationships and it's built on the idea that we are here to serve one another and champion one another. And it's, there's no competition involved. That's what I love about it. So Becky, she's, she is hit the nail on the head when she said that the idea behind affiliate marketing is that we're here to serve each other and champion each other, not to compete with each other. And, you know, so much of the business world and, and perhaps even ministry world, uh, there's this wanting to compete and compare instead of champion. And Mm -hmm. I just love that she brings that out that beautiful picture of the body of Christ. We're all different parts. Jesus is the head and then we're the body. Um, The believers are the body and each one has its specific function. And the scriptures even talk about some of those parts are even hidden and, and some, you know, are do things, you know, smaller things and some are more maybe front stage or in the limelight and have a different role, but they're all important and all needed for the body to function healthy. One of my sons has tried out for and, and got a part in a play at school. And in, in one of the emails that the theater teacher sent out, she said, there are no small parts, uh, uh-huh. small actors. And I thought, wow, there's a concept, you know, and valuing valuing your part, even if it's a small role, even if it's one line in the play mm-hmm. without that one line, there's something missing. There's some, something lost in the context of the whole story. And so just really finding that way to appreciate and value each other 
I thought was really beautiful. So I love that she's promoting that. I also love that she mentioned as one of her pearls of wisdom to continue to be coached by others. And I love it because we, none of us ever arrive. We all have places where we can develop greater skillfulness, greater knowledge, greater perspective, and we just need each other as, Mm -hmm. as human beings were designed for connection and relationship and we need each other. We learn from each other. Iron sharpens iron, the Bible says. And so we need those different perspectives challenging us and encouraging us. And so there's not this, you reach this certain level of success and now you can just isolate and now you've got it all figured out, but no, you continue to allow yourself to be coached and challenged by other people. And I think that's really critical to our um, ongoing growth and stay in a place of humility. Absolutely. And one of our, our sub themes with this podcast, especially for women in, um, in leadership positions, uh, a lot of us struggle with imposter syndrome mm. and just, you know, the, the passage in the Bible that you were referring to that, you know, described the body of Christ and how we all have our, our different roles. I think that's just the perfect perspective to keep in mind when we inevitably struggle against that, um, you know, feeling not, not enough, like you're an imposter. And I love the way she does business. She's just a, a fantastic mentor. And I love that, you know, she focuses in on joining together with other people that you can have a synergistic message with and mm-hmm. uh, keeping humble and, and being, getting ongoing coaching and, and uh, developing ourselves. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. Okay, so now we're going to move on to our August interview with Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. She's a board-certified internal medicine physician, as well as a speaker and a multi-published author, just an amazing woman. And she, her um, message, she has a lot of wisdom to share. Um, She told us about the seven types of rest and uh, we'll play a little clip of her uh, sharing about that and then we'll share our takeaways you know for for a lot of us we don't have a respect for rest that's what it boils down to (laughs) we have a lot of respect for the work for producing for something where we can tangibly see the results kind of right in front of us, check it off the box kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so we get into a position where we feel like because rest isn't something we can necessarily kind of easily check off our box, that it must not be as valuable. We can't see a, a specific fruit resulting that we've produced. And, you know, I sometimes kind of relate it back to, if you think about like a bumblebee uh, or a honeybee rather, but they're, busy in their hive, they're making all this honey, they're doing all this stuff, they're getting a lot produced, they're doing a lot of work. However, everybody else around them is enjoying the fruit of their labor. And Mm -hmm. so they're so busy producing goodness for everyone else, but they never actually stop long enough to taste the sweetness of their own life. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where many women find themselves, you know, they're making life great for their kids and their husband and their house and everybody else is all happy, happy, happy. And mom's like the honeybee. She's busy making everybody's life sweet, but hers is pretty bitter. And mm-hmm. so I think we have to realize that 
there, there's a, a need to regain our respect for rest. It's countercultural. Our culture doesn't promote that. You know, so it takes a woman who has a little bit of boldness and courage to, to understand that to be the best version of herself requires sometimes that she allow space in, in her life to actually be restored. Okay. So the seven types of rest, physical, mental, emotional, social, sensory, creative, and spiritual. Amazing. I know I need every one of those. <laughs> Mm -hmm. (laughs) the mental rest (laughs) Mm -hmm. I have a very very busy active brain Um, such respect for Dr. Uh, Dalton Smith Um, she's an amazing example what were your takeaways Brooke well I was just blown away with learning what the seven different types of rest that we need are. Um, at the time that we recorded the podcast, I had not uh, read her book, but I did on vacation this year and it was very eye opening, and I got so much out of it. Highly recommend it. If you are listening and you haven't read it, it's a great resource, uh, would definitely make a great Bible study, um, women's group text to explore and encourage. But I love that she said, and she said it spot on, we need to regain our respect for rest. I feel like this is, especially in my early years being a mom and being confronted with having to do a lot of pivoting and not being, um, getting a lot of tasks done during the day that I was used to uh, mm-hmm. getting done. And it was very difficult to transition into being able to just rest and be okay with that. <laughs> and I feel like so many conversations that I have had and continue to have, you know, with young moms is sometimes that friction of feeling the need to do instead of just be mm-hmm. and parenthood is a, is a season that can, conf- that you are confronted with that dynamic. And so re- realizing that you've got to find a way to step back and just enjoy. She said, it takes a woman who has a little bit of boldness and courage to understand that to be the best version of herself requires sometimes that she allows space in her life to actually be restored. And that that was so gripping. Yes. It takes boldness. It takes courage to recognize (laughs) I can't keep going like this. I've got to slow down or I've got to nurture myself in a different way so that I stay healthy and whole. And that's something that I definitely um, have been learning this, this year. There's a proverb actually, Proverbs 19 verse eight that says, to acquire wisdom is to love yourself. People who cherish understanding will prosper. And wow, you know, when's the last time that you heard that preach from the pulpit to acquire wisdom is to love yourself. And it's not to be selfish. It's in order for us to fulfill 
the commandments, right? To love the Lord, your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, there's that, there it is again. How are you loving yourself? How are you caring for yourself so that you can love others well? And so that has been just a personal thing of reassessing my own personal health, reassessing my own personal rhythms, how I'm using my time, um, recognizing where I've got to set boundaries, where I've got to say, nope, this time is sacred and precious for this particular thing. And I'm not going to let, I'm going to protect that um, and not let other things that I perceive as urgent steal that away. And so I have definitely had some shift, I would say in the last five months of this year um, in embracing some different rhythms for myself that have um, allowed me to stay a little more rested and and a little more emotionally, um, aware and strong and healthy. Um, Mm -hmm. not that I've not been dealing with and go, you know, and, and growing in, uh, shedding some unhealthy emotions and, and mental loops, but there's been space in which to do it, um, because of recognizing that we need these different types of rest. And if we're going to, um, love ourselves, then we've got to be a little courageous. (laughs) That's right. I love it. (laughs) Dr. Saunders example of the honeybee. I certainly could relate to that. And it's, it's so funny. Proverbs is so rich. There's actually a proverb (laughs) about wisdom and honey. I'm going to read it for you. Know also that wisdom is like honey for you. If you find it, there is a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. How cool. (laughs) Wisdom wisdom is like honey for you. So good. Yeah. Yeah. I could talk about rest all day. I just love her insights into the different aspects of rest that we all need. I have been teaching patients about these for years, not with the titles that she gives them, but it just, Mm -hmm. she just really has a great um, ability to articulate the importance of each distinct type of rest that our bodies need for optimal physical, emotional, uh, mental, spiritual functioning. So, and you know, she put words to something that I have felt in relationship to you and other people in my life. I didn't know how to articulate it, but social rest. Oh, yes. Where it's that engaging with people yes. and relationships that are life giving, mm-hmm. um, the being in relationship with people who help you to be the best version of yourself. And, you know, when I, course went into reading sacred rest initially my thought about social rest was more that the reprieve from all right like (laughs) take a step away from all the social activity but instead it's leaning into those relationships where you can just be 
totally authentically you. You're not feeling judged. You're not feeling the pressure to perform or to put on a face or project anything other than just your authentic self. And so there's just such a rest. And I have, I have felt that before. Like I know the people that, I mean, it comes to mind, boom, boom, boom. You know, the people that I can just be totally at ease with and know that they love me and will love me (laughs) at the end of this conversation, whatever. And that is so healing. Well, right back at you, Brooke. (laughs) Thank you for being a source of social rest for me as well. And, and of course we, um, certainly want to have relationships with people that aren't, um, necessarily life-giving that, you know, where we are pouring into others, but you know, especially if you're a person who does that for a living or with regularity, you do need to have your inner circle of people that you can have social rest with to recuperate and fill your cup up again. So you can go out and do your wonderful work in the world. So in September, we interviewed Leah Adams, a dear friend and a Ramsey Solutions trained financial coach. She's the founder of Breathe Financial Coaching. She does speaking. She's an author, just multi-talented. Let's hear a clip from Leah speaking about uh, financial wisdom. I teach my clients, if they don't know how, to create a budget. The budget really is the foundation of financial success. It's not all, but Mm -hmm. it is the foundation for financial success because if you don't know where your money is going, and if you don't do a budget, you don't know where your money is going, then you don't know how to fashion your life. And so I like to tell my clients that the budget serves two purposes. It's a guardrail Cindy, you've been in these mountains, you've lived in these mountains, you know, if you cross the mountain, you've got guardrails on the side of the road to keep you ending Mm -hmm. from ending up at the bottom of the mountain. And so the budget is a guardrail, it tells you what you have to spend. But it's also permission to spend. So Leah, she brought to the table, this concept of our finances being related to or touching every area of our lives, which is so true. Um, What she said about when we're not secure in our finances, we don't feel secure in other areas of our lives. And I think sometimes we want to compartmentalize the different areas of our lives and just, okay, well, this is my financial box and it's over here and it doesn't touch (laughs) my health and it doesn't touch my relationships and it doesn't touch this or that. But in reality it does, because I know, and, and I think we both shared some of our personal journey in the episode. Um, but when there is that lack of security or, uh, feeling uneasy about having provision or what we need, there is an anxiety that is felt within our body. Um, our mind can swirl all of those things. Certainly we can get snippy with our spouse when we're trying to make a decision that involves how the money is going to get spent. All of those things, um, it does affect and touch. And so, you know, when we're talking about like taking a holistic approach to, caring for ourselves to living joyfully, like we can't ignore the finances. 
I'm sure in, in your practice and when you've had conversations with patients coming in with high levels of stress, which are then affecting things in their bodies, as you're talking, I'm sure there are certain things that come to the forefront that there's, well, there's some kind of financial crisis a, a spouse has lost a job. And so there's a loss of income source, or there's uh, some investment is failing and, you know, the resource isn't there and that's causing a level of anxiety. Speak to what you've observed in, in the room with your patients. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, Leah Adams is an amazing resource and I, I do agree with you. Just the, the holistic approach to finances uh, fits very nicely with my my con- concept of holistic health, just involving the whole person, every aspect of our being and financial health is a big piece of it. Um, and, and certainly, you know, as you mentioned, our, our bodies are affected by stress and that kind of low grade or even high grade chronic financial stress can have a huge impact on just, um, putting stress on the nervous system, which then, you know, affects our hormones and our gut health and our relational health as we can be, you know, irritable or on edge or deal with depression or anxiety. If we, um, you know, just get too deep into the anxieties of having out of control finances. So I just, uh, highly encourage everyone to, to um, address that aspect of their well-being. And uh, Leah Adams is a wonderful resource for that. You know, I was having a conversation just this week with a friend and we were talking about the language that we use around finances with our children and how a lot of times we have the propensity to say, uh, oh, we don't have enough money for that or that's too expensive, which in Mm -hmm. reality, yes, there are certain things that, okay, we, you know, but how could we reframe that to maybe instead of, we don't have enough money for that, you know, Lego set that you just randomly asked for when we were here to buy toilet paper, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) we don't have money for that. What about we're not prioritizing, Uh you know, our, are spending on this, you know, teaching those values. And she, she spoke about that, about her coaching isn't just centered around let's, you know, budget out every cent and make sure that we've got a plan for this, but what are your personal and core values? And let's make sure that your spending is aligned with that. So I love that she challenges and works with her clients to identify core values and set goals so that the resources that come into your life can actually produce the things that you want them to. Yes. Very, very well said. Love it. (laughs) So speaking of the connection of our physical body, um, how stress impacts our physical body and nervous system in October, we had the opportunity to interview Kim fish, a licensed clinical social worker and mental health counselor, and just uh, a beautiful Christian woman. And she, um, spoke about nurturing your mental health wisdom for staying connected to God yourself and others. And I just, uh, really enjoyed this conversation and how it, um, 
just uh, dovetails beautifully with my clinical practice and, and what I try to teach people about in terms of the impact that our thoughts and <laughs> addressing any kind of brain ants or cognitive distortions, how, how that impacts our physiology and our overall health. So let's, let's hear a clip from Kim Fish. So I think it is really important to see our emotions as our friends and our helpers mm -hmm. and not to see them as this negative thing that we're dealing with, even when it doesn't feel good. And when we can do that, we can just see them as red flags, kind of waving, saying something's wrong here and you need to do something. And maybe it's like I said, you just need some time to rest and get away and um, decompress and kind of journal and just be still and, and that kind of thing. But there could be other things going on. So I think the, your mindset about them can really be beneficial. So that's what I try and help people see is, okay, we can see that there are some red flags going on here. So how do we back ourselves up and just figure out what's going on and what do I need and helping people, which is, this is a little bit of a people look at you kind of weird and some people it's easier for them to do than others who are very disconnected from themselves. But what are you feeling and where are you feeling it in your body? Mm -hmm. And we do live in a really busy society that I think we're not always being very thoughtful about what is going on inside of us. And that could be physical, emotional, spiritual. It could be all different kinds of things. But when it comes to emotions, like what are you feeling and where are you feeling it? Because sometimes even where you're feeling it helps you know what you need to do. Well, I have to say, I absolutely love Kim's authenticity. She showed up so honestly. And we, you know, when we posed that question to her asking, how do you stay connected um, to God and yourself and others? Like, how do you do this? Uh, and she said imperfectly. And I thought that's so good for us to hear. Mm -hmm. There's still imperfection in the, in the journey of staying connected. And there's the flexibility that has to be embraced. Um, like she brought up needs for your family needs for yourself needs for the people that you are working with through your business or ministry or whatever change over time. And so the methods or the modes, you know, to accomplish that may change and shift as the seasons change and shift. And so embracing that flexibility and not just holding yourself to this, well, this is how you were doing it. And now you're not, it doesn't look like that anymore. So now you're failing somehow. So I love the honesty that she brought to the table. And again, kind of reflecting on conversations that I've had now that I'm out of the season of young parenting motherhood, kind of, I mean, I still have a six-year-old at home, but not like the infant toddler years where there's a lot more demands with feeding and just keeping them from <laughs> bumping <laughs> everything and hurting themselves. There's a lot more independent. alive. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, you know, I feel like a question I've been fielded over and over the years is, is how do you get quiet time while doing this and doing a business and doing ministry? And it's like, oh, I got to get creative. Wow. I don't have the Instagram worthy 
picture uh, where I'm, you know, highlighting all the words and looking up the Greek definitions. And nope, a lot of the times it was listening to a little podcast clip in the car, right? Or um, putting my Bible app on audio. So it just read it aloud to me, a passage, you know, while I was toast in the morning or whatever, just the creative ways that we sometimes have to embrace that allows it to work for the season that we're in without any shame or condemnation. We just know that we need to stay connected. So we find the solutions in that season. And a lot of times it takes creativity and, and embracing change as needed. Yes. So, so much uh, wisdom in that episode. I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to our uh, discussion with Kim Fish from October. We get into the polyvagal theory and all Mm -hmm. kinds of neat stuff on uh, neurobiology and, and resilience. So I'd uh, encourage you to go back and listen to that. And speaking of resilience, we had the great privilege and pleasure to interview Dr. Jill Carnahan. She is a medical doctor that is a actually dear colleague. We went to medical school together and um, during her 20s, she developed breast cancer and um, overcame it. Just she is an overcomer. She wrote a book um, called Unexpected and it details her healing journey, just uh, kind of an autobiographical, uh, prescriptive autobiographical journey of her healing from breast cancer, from inflammatory bowel disease, from toxic mold illness, and also some you know personal um, relational challenges and, and difficulties. And uh, it was a lovely, lovely interview. And, uh, I have fond place in my heart for Dr. Jill. I I remember in medical school noticing there was something different about her <laughs> and it it was her Christian faith. And at the time I was agnostic, but I, I kind of made a note of that, you know, just uh, her special inner glow that she had. And, and uh, I love the fact that she's you know, just uh, sharing uh, this message about faith and healing as she wrote wrote her book and now also has a movie um, called Doctor Slash Patient. You can learn about her movie at drpatientmovie.com and it's being shown at film festivals and, and you can get on her email list and find out where it's showing next was just an amazing journey. So I'll I'll share a clip now and we can reflect on this interview. Resilience comes in really believing and trusting that God has given us everything we need inside our bodies and with relationships and his spirit that we need to accomplish his work in the world. And I have a little chapter called Believe, Act, Wait. And as I was writing, I couldn't even told you what my little formula was, but as God revealed it, as I was writing, I was like, oh, this is it over and over. What it is, is you believe and the belief has to be, uh, not has to be, but it could be in something that seems totally illogical. That's where the faith comes in and the belief is there. And you're like, God, I believe this is possible. I believe I can heal from breast cancer. And then you act, you do what God has given you to do in the world, whether you give a patient a medicine or an herb or a supplement, or you encourage them, or you call a friend, or you take another course, you act and you do it within the box of what's possible and doable for you. 
And then you wait and the magic happens when God shows up with all the things that you can't and when your limitations are here and God's like, no, I want to give you this much. And then I just literally over and over, I'm like, wow, God, you are amazing. And now I've seen it enough that that's my definition of resilience is, is believing, acting, and waiting and seeing the things that God can accomplish through a willing, faithful person that believes in miracles. So one of the things that stood out to me about Dr. Jill was the joy that (laughs) just emanates from her. (laughs) It's truly contagious. And, um, and just the joy in which she expresses the journey that she's been on. Once I heard a quote that said, if you don't enjoy the journey, you won't enjoy your life. Mm. And I thought, wow, that's so true. Life is a journey. It has its ups and downs, its highs and lows, but yet joy is not a product of our circumstances. It supersedes our circumstances because our joy is from the Lord and the joy of the Lord is our strength and he is our source of joy. So he's steady, he's consistent, he's reliable. So we attach ourselves to the joy of the Lord. We can have that no matter what the circumstances around us look like. And can certainly see the result of that in, in Dr. Jill's life that despite, wow, the extremely difficult um, sicknesses and just life circumstances that she's had to endure, yet there's still been a joy in her journey and, and what she's learned and, and what she's overcome and the victories that she's had to be able to now encourage other people in that same way. So I love that. And, you know, one of the things that stood out to me too, as far as maintaining joy in the journey is she said in in relation to her battle with cancer was when she was in the place of decision about how she was going to move forward with treatment and what she was going to do, what action she was going to take in the face of this diagnosis and the options before her, that she made a promise to herself that whatever she decided, she was going to be at peace with that decision. And I'm going to choose this and I'm going to be okay with my choice. And I'm going to be at peace with my choice and Mm -hmm. trust the Lord with this. I think that is really huge to living with joy and and resilience Mm -hmm. is not allowing ourselves to get trapped in the regret and the backpedaling of what if I had, what if I had not, we can also sabotage ourselves and our forward progress by staying trapped in the past and um, beating ourselves up unnecessarily. So I, that was an encouragement to me to make those, make the decisions and act and be at peace. (laughs) I love that you highlighted that actually, that is um, how I counsel my patients who are facing some sort of major health decision, whether it's a cancer diagnosis or some other catastrophic health issue that, you know, they're, they have to choose whether to pursue maybe a you know, a big, high, uh, powerful medical intervention or some other, you know, 
lesser, um, more conservative uh, options. And, and so I, you know, just give them that same advice to you know, get quiet about it, um, pray, ask for wisdom, and make a decision, and then move forward in it and just be confident that you did the best you could in terms of taking in all the information that you have and getting uh, wise counsel and then moving forward and not regretting or second guessing because that can just bring you mental torture. So I love that you highlighted that. So much richness and, and wisdom here. I could go back and just listen <laughs> to it over yeah. uh, please, uh, and take notes um, because goodness, uh, we, we need wisdom in today's world. There's, we're being bombarded by, by bad advice, <laughs> right and left in terms of, uh, worldly, worldly thinking. And, uh, we, we definitely need wisdom, um, for our souls and, and to live in joy, as you mentioned. Well, it's just been a privilege to work with you this year, Brooke, on this, project of women in ministry and medicine, the joy prescription and uh, collating all this wisdom. And uh, it's certainly been helpful for me personally and professionally and in my life, just um, being reminded of all of this wisdom mm. and uh, learning new things. I think a perfect way to end our 2023 Joy Prescription podcast season would be for you to pray for, for all of us and our our listeners and, and just pray that we can all marinate in gratitude. <laughs> I'll be glad to do that. Well, Father God, we just come to you. We enter your courts with thanksgiving and we thank you, Lord, that um, Thanksgiving is a key that just unlocks praise unto you. And God, we're just so thankful for how you are working in our lives, but more so than how you're working just for who you are and for your sovereign ways and your leadership in our lives. And Lord, we thank you that, uh, you give us your spirit to lead us and guide us and teach us and counsel us. And we just pray, Father, for a deeper connection with your Holy Spirit and the year ahead to um, be reminded of all your faithful ways and that we may choose gratitude and choose joy no matter what circumstances come our way. Lord, your word reminds us that we are to be thankful in all circumstances. And um, so, Lord, help us to learn how to be joyful and express gratitude in every circumstance, Lord, the ones that are desirable and the ones that are undesirable, knowing and trusting, Lord, that you are working all things for our good and so that we can trust you in those places of pain and in those places, uh, those mountaintop moments where we feel so close and so connected. And so Lord, we know that gratitude is a 
uh, warfare. It protects us. It keeps us postured before you in humility. It keeps us postured and focused on you and your abilities and not our weaknesses and inabilities. And so it guards and protects our minds from wandering. And so we Thank you, Lord, that you have given us thankfulness and gratitude as a weapon of warfare to keep us centered and connected to Christ and to following your will and your ways. So we thank you for your empowerment and we thank you for your grace. And we thank you that your grace is sufficient and that your power is made perfect in weakness. And we celebrate that and we choose joy today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. You've been listening to the Joy Prescription Podcast, where we explore the intersection of lifestyle medicine, brain health, and Christianity. We invite you to take your learning deeper with us at thejoyprescription.com. Be sure to sign up for our email newsletter and receive free weekly Joy Prescription devotionals. Bye for now.